That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Jan Dekel. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared. It's a double trouble tonight. A double episode. We dropped two at once, uh, celebrating 100 episodes of Daddy Squared. Uh, this one is going to be about bullying. Yeah, all right. So maybe not a giggle fest, but all right. <laughs> it's funny, like I said in the previous one, these two episodes are philosophically connected to each other uh, because misconception and judgment and bad stigma can lead to bullying. You know, you can see what our guest in the previous episode, Neil, went through on the train. Wow. Uh, on the parent test finale, there was a, a, a bullying simulation. Yeah, and so in the final episode of the TV show, they did a challenge surrounding bullying. And the idea was to put a kid in a scenario where another child was bullying a third child and see what that first kid would do. Would they, would they interfere? Would they get involved? or would they just sit by? So all three kids that were tested was uh, upstanders. They yeah, actually that was stuck pretty into impressive. The bully, stuck, yeah, stuck with a, with a victim. And what, watching that, it warmed up my heart because yeah. I'm thinking we're raising, it's a, it's a conscience decision of the parents to talk about this with their kids and I, to be upstanders. I have to tell and you, I we're was raising shocked. A, we're raising a, a, maybe a better generation. I don't know. I, I was shocked. I... I think that it's one thing to protect yourself from bullying. It's another thing to not stand by when when bullying is going on. That really surprised yeah. me and it was really uplifting, I got to say, to yeah. see. Yeah. Um I was bullied as a kid and um and I think it started very early. Like it's I want to say well, basically as long as I can remember. So I mm. can say first grade it's already it was already there. Um, the general thread throughout the whole thing was that I was a little bit more effeminate mm. than other boys. I didn't like to play soccer, which is a thing in Israel and um, and <laughs> yeah, all the boys uh, play that's what they do. They play soccer. Yeah. So you either either play soccer or you're a transvestite. That was the, <laughs> oh the other options that I had to be and I chose to be called transvestite because I didn't want to play that. So um, I can say that it was like as if all of the straight, I want to say straight, but it's kids, right? So it's even either kids in my class, all of the school basically knew that I am the transvestite that you're supposed to pick on in order to show that you're popular or show that you're not. Basically. Right, exactly. To to make sure that everyone knows that you're not one yeah. of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so it, it was... In every every scenario that you can think of happened to me. I feel like the bullying with you was a combination of verbal things, physical things, yes. a general sense of fear around yeah, you. Yeah, so it was fear. I, you know, I, I remember that as a kid, you know, we were mu much more free range uh, back in the, in the 80s in Israel. Um, and I used to go out at the like third grade, fourth grade, um, you know, out about, out and about. And every time I used to see like a, a group of boys, that m more than three boys together, I used to cross the street to the other side yeah. because everybody knew who I was, you know, in that yeah. sense. And everybody knew it's just fun to do that. And it's a bonding thing, you know, if like a group of boys... 
comes up to me and they laughing and they do whatever they do to me it's like they make them feel like they did something together yeah. um, I want to just interrupt uh, because you've been talking about boys and and remind everybody that a click of girls can be as bullying as a click of boys yeah this is not a gender specific problem yeah um, so that continued that continued for a while um, I think it was worse in elementary school but then I went to high school it became a little bit less yeah and it stopped you know when when I came out then, oh interesting yes <laughs> because and we're gonna talk about this in the interview and after why I think it stopped but I I want to say that my parents were not there yeah so my parents who had the whole thing I I have a suspicion that they knew that it's happening. They mm. just didn't know what to do about this. Right. And the, my only clue that I know that I knew that it's happening is that one time I came from, uh, from school. It was around Purim. Purim is like a Jewish holiday that is similarly to Halloween. Um, and I said that I want to dress as Alexis Colby from <laughs> Dynasty. <laughs> and my mom says, over my dead body with everything that people say about you, you're not going to address yeah. it as Alexis. And, um, and that was the only time in throughout my now, whole childhood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but my, throughout my whole childhood that she is uh, referred to that. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the interview today. Our guest is Ross Ellis. She's a parenting expert and the founder and chief executive officer of Stump Out Bullying. She's nationally recognized as expert for her work in bullying and cyberbullying prevention. Ross, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about bullying, but I want, I want to know from you, how do you define bullying? And is there really a difference between bullying and harassment? Yes. Bullying is a constant, repetitive, hara- well, I shouldn't say harassment. It is a form of harassment. It's a constant, repetitive behavior. And sometimes... It's only a few times, but it's enough to make someone so upset. Harassment, um, besides spectrum calling me every two minutes, that I consider <laughs> harassment. <laughs> harassment is even more repetitive. I, th- I think for me, the harassment is worse, I feel. Okay. okay. We've certainly come to look at the terms in such a way that bullying belongs to kids in school and harassment belongs to, you know, adults in the workplace, but that's right. obviously not that simple. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So I, I want to go a little bit to dive deeper into uh, our, our kids being bullied as and uh, if our kids are being bullied, what can we do as parents? So what are the signs that our kids are bullied? Um, you know, what can we do about this? Right. Well, first of all, if they're being bullied, they may not come to you. Um, when they get home from school, they may be really down and go right into their room and, and not say anything. They can avoid schoolwork, avoid their friends, avoid their family, um, avoid eating. If they're on the computer, they could even avoid that, depending, you know, if, if they're being cyber bullied, right. they definitely mm-hmm. will avoid that. Um and it's really up to you to, you wouldn't go to them and say, are you being bullied? Because that's the wrong thing to do. Mm. Um, what you want to do is say, you know, I've heard there's a lot of bullying going on in, at school and other neighborhoods. Do you know anyone who's being bullied? Uh, um, if you do, 
we'd love to help you talk about it with you. And you know, we love you so much. If God forbid you were ever bullied, please come to us because we will help you. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I think that the, the word, even the word bullying, bullied is so hard for kids um, that they wouldn't even admit that they are bullied. Like I, I would as a, so I'm as a kid, I would tell you, no, I wasn't. I, even though I was harshly, now as an adult, I'm saying I'm har- I was harshly bullied. But right. as a kid, I, w- I refused to, to, um, to basically say that there's something wrong with me that uh, justifies the, that sure. kids are bullying. Sure, because kids don't want to come to you and tell you, Dad, this is something that's happening to me. They want to try to fix it themselves or mm. pray it'll go away. Right, yeah. But it doesn't go away. You, you really have to take steps. If a kid is being verbally bullied, what we tell them is use comebacks. And we have that on our website. Um, so in other words, if someone said to me, Ross, that sweater is so ugly, you shouldn't wear it. Mm-hmm. I would look at them and say, oh, you noticed? Right. Walk away. <laughs> Don't have a conversation. Right. Yeah. Or, or maybe they would say, oh, you're ugly. And I'd go, yeah, whatever. Right. And walk away. Don't have a conversation. You've just taken away the bully's power mm-hmm. and you've taken your power. And that we, you can find the, the comebacks on the website. We'll it link to all of that, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's amazing how these comebacks work. Right. Because when, when you do that to a bully and they're just standing there like, okay, now what do I say? Yeah. Yep. They may continue, but they see you walking away that you don't care. Never use the word ignore because you cannot ignore bullying. Mm-hmm. But you can say things and do things that will make the bully say, hmm, like, what just happened? Right, right. Yeah, this makes sense. That makes sense. But of course, as you, I think, uh, uh, indicated at the beginning, that's when the bullying is is verbal, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And emotional. And emotional. Verbal and emotional. There's some crossover line to the kid blocks you so you can't get past him uh, or there's something more physical about the nature of the bullying. And that dividing line, when that occurs, what happens then? When it's physical. You do if if you can possibly get away, you get away. Right. If you cannot get away, fight until you can get away. Hopefully, and more than likely, there are other kids watching and unfortunately taking videos, which Ugh. I just cringe because they shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. But well, because then it goes viral. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it makes the kid who's being beaten look really terrible, like like they're really weak. Right. But that's not the case. Right. So um, if you're being bullied physically, fight until you can get away and scream, get it for someone to get help from an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you can get away, go to an adult immediately. Right. Now, when you're being cyber bullied, never, ever respond. I don't care what they say to you. Never respond. Read it. You're upset. Click delete right. and then block the bully. Right. Make sure you block them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say, right, the problem on the internet is that there's absolutely nothing to stop me as a bully from just keeping and going. And if I if I see that there's going to, I'm going to raise any kind of response at all, that's just more of an enticement. Right? But, but can you yeah. explain uh, why not? Because I know that um, even us as parents, when somebody else say something, you know, bad about us, 
uh, we have like we want to we we want to prove them that they're wrong. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> but you know what? Delete them and block them. Yeah. If you do not respond, what are they going to do? What can they right. possibly say or do if you don't respond? Right. And you if know, they keep on coming in with other things, you've blocked them already. I, as a parent. I'm concerned about the idea of creating an environment for my kids. My kids are 70-year-old twin boys, right? My concern would be, let's not have you jump to the conclusion that that kid is a bully too quickly. Why? Because I want you to feel as if, first and foremost, engage with them as people, Let's not immediately assume that just because they say one thing to you that isn't very nice, uh, that they're a bully. How do you um, how do you uh, in, uh, empower your children to feel like they can engage and disagree, while at the same time not setting themselves up to become right. a victim of bully? When you're being cyberbullied, you will know it. They get so nasty and so negative; it's unbelievable. Mm. So that's when you're going to not answer them, block, delete and block them. Right. If they just say something really dumb, you can engage, but you'll know when to stop engaging. Right. When it just goes off of a cliff of nastiness, there's really no point right. anymore. Right. Yeah. But you're not going to say, you're not going to tell your kids to say, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Right. Just don't respond. Mm -hmm. Right. That is a bully's worst nightmare when someone doesn't respond in the way that they want them to. They're using their power. Right. But if your kids are using their power, how great. They've taken away the bully's power. Yeah. Right. Got it. Um, I want to talk about, like, what is the, like, what if our kids are the bullies? Yes. I mean, you know, sometimes um, us as parents don't even see it uh, or don't think um but you know our kids can be uh bullies too sure um are there signs for that and can we is there something that we can talk to them <clears throat> about ongoing basis or if we find out right. that they are doing something right stuff like that? i mean it's good to have a conversation about bullying in general but nothing specific to them if you're doing that and and like you know i've been reading in the paper or i'm seeing on tv blah 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 but you can tell on their faces if they look like, hmm, you know, um, or have they been more aggressive at home? When they, I assume their friends might come over to the house. Mm -hmm. Are they being more aggressive? Are they telling their friends what to do, ordering them around? Do their friends not want to come over to their house anymore? Mm -hmm. Do their friends not want to have activities with them? Yeah. I mean, there are signs. And, of course, I think it's really good to talk about it we just got an email from someone who said please help me because i'm a bully right i was thrilled that he's asking for help yeah 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 i mean i think that that's so key because you know i i, I want to describe to you something that happened a year ago where mm -hmm. there was a kid in our kids class who i started to hear from other parents and from my own kids that they didn't use the word bully the other parents didn't use the word bully our kids didn't use the word bully, but they made him out to be a bit of an ass. The kid was an ass, right? He was being mean to other kids. He was very aggressive, et cetera. This was, and so I sat my kids down and I said, look, this kid 
may be having a really hard time at home. He he may be suffering or feeling lonely. And I don't know if this is going to work, but have you, have you gone over him and tried to talk nicely to him and see if he wants to come around? And I'm not, the kid was not beating them up. The kid was being, right. not being super nasty, but he was starting to develop a reputation. And what mm-hmm. really scared me for this child is he's not a, it's not an axe murderer, right? right it's right. like, how do we as a community pitch in when we're starting to see a kid heading in that direction and be helpful? First of all, you did absolutely the right thing. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> a thousand percent the right thing. If you find out he's a bully, and I hate that term, by the way, but I don't know what else to call it. Right. You don't want to go to the parents because the parents will probably have the attitude, not my kid. Right, right. And then it creates a problem in the neighborhood with the kids and the whole thing. Um, Hopefully your kids can get through to this kid and by being nice and being kind. Um, Maybe start a kindness thing around school, like kindness day. Mm -hmm. See what happens, you know. Um, there are so many things that they can do. In October, we always have Bullying Prevention Month. Yeah. And and it's, it's always about kindness and being nice and positive. But you want to be that way all the time. Right. You know, you don't want to be someone who's nasty and mean. Um, there are some kids who, who do that. Right. If it's really bad, you may want to talk to the principal and see how they handle it. And by the way. There are legis- anti-bullying legislation in every state. Mm. Not every, and the schools are supposed to step up. Most schools don't. Mm-hmm. It, it kills me. A principal called me and said, "I don't know what to do. I have a kid who's a bully, and I've got to call his parents in, but I'm not sure how to handle it with his parents." And I said, "Well, what about if you call them, call them in, and said, um, I'd like to talk to you about Johnny. Come on over. Don't say why." Right. Come in, offer them coffee, whatever, and say, look, we love Johnny. He's a valued student here at school. But Johnny has a behavior problem. That's where it goes. You never mention the word bully. Right. Right. We would love to help you and Johnny get through this. Let us help you. And see where the parents go with it. I mean, how would you feel if the principal said that to you? Go, oh my God, they're going to help us. We're good. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If the school does sweep it under the rug, talk to other parents in the community and see, you know, cause I, I just feel like if a whole group descends upon the, the, the bully's parents, that won't be good either. Right. So you're going to have to come up with ideas about kindness and being positive involving those parents and that kid with the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A parent should know if their kid is a bully. Sometimes their eyes are closed or they don't want to admit it and have that not my kid attitude. Right. And that look, that can be hard. What parent wants to hear someone come over and say your kid's a bully? Right. Yeah. No one wants that. So so every child that I have ever come across, because they're all awful children, Every child um, uh, does that thing where, Jan, tell me something. What? What? Oh. 
Oh. Oh, that's you. So every every child does that thing where they repeat the other child and it drives them crazy. It drives me crazy, by the way. I can't stand it, right? Surest way to get me to lose my temper. But my point is that, that is a that's a thing that when one of my children started to doing do that about, I don't know, two years ago when they were five or something, I said, Listen, mm-hmm. that's very upsetting to people. Um, and you have to understand that if you do that. You do that because you're trying to be, because you're being mean. You're not doing that out of, you may think it's funny, but it's not, right? And people won't like it. My question is, so if a kid is doing that and they keep doing it, um, should you say to yourself, oh, this is a kid who wants to, a form of torture, it's light torture, but wants to torture the other kids. But he might just want attention. Well, isn't that what a lot of bullies want? Yeah. Right. But but they may not necessarily torture. I think you've laid down the groundwork again when you've said, uh, we noticed this and and this is not going to happen in our house. Mm -hmm. Right. And and then, I mean, certainly talk about kindness, positivity, do activities that are kind and positive. Yeah. And they should be able to accept what you're doing and, and just saying, look, in our house, there's no mean, there's no cruel, there's no torture. Right, right. And yeah. if we see it, we're going to sit down and have a talk, and you are gonna, you're going to lose um, things that you like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there will be consequences. Right. Um, I I want to touch into the subject uh, that kids say in America. Apparently, uh, kids say uh, snitches get stitches. I'm afraid that. When kids are um, spot, spotting bully kids, other kids being bullied, and not say anything about this, and not talk about this, um, can we counter that uh, awful term with something that it's more, I don't know, helpful, friendly, meaningful? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there are bystanders and upstanders. The bystander is going to be the snitch with the ditch. Okay. Yeah. You want children to be upstanders. You want them to say, someone's being bullied, or I need to get help for this kid. Um, If they see the kid being bullied and there's a big crowd, they should be an upstander and and take the kid's arm and pull him away from the bully. Right. Um, I think every one of us have seen photos. I hope not, but I I guess I, I see it all the time. Kids being stuffed into lockers at school. Yeah. Horrendous, you know, but they should report it and they should help the kid. You never want to leave a kid in a bully's path and let it continue. Right. And if you can't stop it, go and get an adult and tell the adult. That's being an upstander. And use the word upstander. Yeah. Every kid should know it. It's funny. I like that so much because... I, I'll admit, and you know, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned in some disgusting kind of way, but I, I am nervous about the idea of raising children who sort of look at a situation and say, "I'm telling," as their first reaction. Um, but I love the idea of trying to sort of encourage them to be upstanders in that mm-hmm. that can mean going and telling if the situation is out of control, but it can also mean sort of making yourself seen and heard and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, helping the person who's being bullied, et cetera. And anything along that spectrum that makes, you know, my son be an upstanding kid, yeah, I'm all for right. that. Yeah, I like that. Right. And by the way, 
telling is not tattling. No. They need to know that. If there's something really serious happening, mm. not tattling, it's being an upstander, it's saving the kid. Right. And hopefully, it's either the parents they're going to or the school, hopefully those people will help the kid. Right. Yeah. Yep. If if I'm eating cookies that I'm not supposed to at night, though, and my husband doesn't know, that's snitching, and they shouldn't tell. <laughs> just saying. Um, I want. We have just a few more minutes, and I would like to talk about uh, the organization Stomp Stomp Out Bullying. Um, but um, what I really like, um, and I, I'll start with that. That I was just thinking about that, about how we talk about bullying, about the bad side. Your organization also emphasizes the other side of bullying, which is being kind. I was thinking that I was bullied when I was a kid, and then I married Alex. And Alex, Alex teaches our kids about kindness from a, an early age. I didn't even see the connection of that. This is an ongoing... It's part of his education and part of what That's we say wonderful. to our kids. Emphasizing kindness is critical. I think you saw our, the shirts that yes. we wore in October. Every October, we have a limited edition blue shirt. And we ask everyone to go blue. And so this year, it was unapologetically kind. Mm, yeah. and, and when our designer came up with it, I loved it. I was thrilled. So we're actually selling that on our site. You know, living in New York, you see it all. You just see it all. And it was kind of interesting because... Not just kids, it's adults too. And this morning I had to go for a doctor's appointment and the elevator was broken and so there was a long line. And I recently had knee surgery. So I'm like, Ugh. and this woman saw me like, you know, go like that. And she said, do you want to go in front of me? And I said, God, you're so kind. That's so sweet. If we, if we teach our children to be kind, how can they not be? Yeah. Yeah. If you, if it's in your house constantly, if it's in school, if it's in, another relative's home if it's in a restaurant whatever like if you're in a restaurant and, and the waiter serves you you children should look at the waiter and say thank you mm -hmm. you know i i want to say that there is this one thing that i feel i have felt during my lifetime and growing up in mm -hmm. cities especially in cities um that seems like one of the greatest encumbrances blocks to kindness and it's weird it's surprising and it is that being kind is dorky. I want to be very specific. Being kind is not cool. It is not badass. Badass is a term that everyone loves, but look what composes the term badass, right? Bad and Why can't ass. you make being kind badass? Well, I am totally with you, but I think that one of the great challenges is how do you imbue in your children this sense that, oh, no, no, no being like upstanding is actually like a higher level of cool. I don't know how you do that because, you know, whenever people try to say, no, it's really cool not to smoke cigarettes. I don't know. Look, when that cigarette hangs out of the corner of your mouth, you look cool. I don't know what yeah. to say, right? So I don't know what that trick is, but I feel like what's missing is like getting involved and trying to stop bullying when it's happening seems like right. it marks you as an uncool kid in in recess. And I don't know how we unwind that. I think when other kids see that, because they're all they're all around. Yeah. It's amazing how when one kid is being harassed or bullied or whatever, Suddenly there's a whole group and every camera's out on those phones. Yeah. 
And that just really upsets me. And in one instance, it's good because if they're being badly beaten, you have a record of it. It really, I, I talk to more and more kids. Uh, we go to a lot of schools and they do want to be cool. Right. They don't want to be mean anymore. They're tired of it. Well, we had a, we had a president for four years that exhibited being, you know, never mind. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, Um, No, that's okay. I'm just not going to (laughs) comment. But I think that, um, so this is what, like, I love what you guys are doing is that I feel that you make kind cool. Yeah. So the fact that you came out with these t-shirts and all this emphasize of not on bullying, you know, you know. Specifically, but on the other, on the lighter side, you know, look right. at the look at the good. Look, don't look at the. That's don't right. Focus on exactly that. Exactly mm-hmm. the flip side. Yeah. So, um, and and that's what I really love about this. Rosales, thank you. Before well, we say thank you, well. I wanted to tell you because Jan mentioned it before. I I may or may not have been bullied on and off. I was a fat kid. I don't know. Maybe I was. Maybe I wasn't. He absolutely was. Um, and. I just want to thank you for taking care of kids uh, like my yeah, husband when he was a kid because we don't want this to happen for ours no, or anybody else's. And anything that we can do to support that cause, we are 100% behind it. So thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. The more you teach at home and if you're in this, around the school and the community, you're golden. Thanks. But thank, thank you, you so for having me. I appreciate it. Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast. We're back from the interview with Ross Alice. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And I think the most surprising thing th- thing in the interview to me was the instruction to not confront the parents. Because as a parent, I feel that I would go to the parent of the kids or who are bullied, yeah. right? And, yeah. and she says no. And I, I now it kind of makes sense to me. But I think that I, if I wasn't hearing that, um, I probably want to go after Well, the I also think it depends on the relationship. If you already have a close relationship with the parents, it might be a little bit different. I mean, we've had situations with good friends of ours where we talk to them about the way their kid is interacting with our kid. And it's very warm. And there's a kind of an understanding that it is not only good for our kid that their kid stop bullying us it's good for their kid too right yeah. i mean most people don't want to have bullies as children although some yeah probably some of do. them are our bullies themselves that's as true. parents so that's i true. don't know um but an, another thing that i thought and you raised it uh, throughout the interview the, is how can we make it cool how can we make being an upstander cool yeah i mean i have to say it, it's a very interesting thing right because in the movies with 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 Jean Claude Van Damme and I don't know those people. That's exactly what the upstander is. The upstander is the coolest person in the whole story, right? Yeah. They see badness going on and they come in, you know, and they 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 save the day. But there's this weird thing. But I think you just solved it because I didn't think about this. No, but wait. But what I'm saying is there's this weird thing, which is that it's that way in the movies, but on the playground. When you're alone, you're not Jean-Claude Van Damme. You don't 
you don't have that yet. You don't have that sense of, you know, right and wrong as clearly. You don't have that sense of, I don't care whether I'm on my own. No, you want to be part of the group and the group is bullying this kid and you're you're sort of like, well, I don't want to be the one that stands out. So I don't know how you do that transformation for children to make them want to be the ones that stand out. You know, we have you know- a policy in our in our household, which is that weird is good. I have taught my children yeah. from a very early early age that weird is good. And you know, it's complicated. And will it really work when they're 13 years old? I don't know. But I feel like laying the groundwork of having your kids understand that just being a cookie cutter of all of the other kids is probably not a good thing. It's a start. I don't think it's enough. And we don't know the answer. You know what What I was? What I had in mind? I didn't say to her because I'm a little bit shy, but I, I don't want to suggest things to her. But uh, I know that they do a lot of great things, uh, Stomp Out Bullying. And if you have a chance, just check out their website. Um, and by the way, speaking about uh, resources, um, there is another website of the government about bullying and resources about bullying. Um, it's now on the episode of uh, it's now on the episode page of Daddy Squared. But my idea was to take YouTubers because to me it seems like. The real people that the real people that kids are listening to are YouTubers right now. Well, take kids, those YouTubers who are a little make bit... them have them make the videos for the kids. Yeah, uh, simulations about that and how the YouTuber is kind coming to save them. And I think that'll do the magic. You know, on this podcast, we have talked about the wonderful, wonderful show Brainchild. I mean, yeah. it is a wonderful television show, um, and. Uh, they actually did, despite the fact that it's primarily a, a science show, they did a bullying episode, which yeah. I thought was really awesome yeah. and went into this question of like, how do you, when does your child engage, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I also want to say one more thing about bullying. Maybe it's controversial, but one of the concerns that I have is that the emphasis that I have seen for a decade, certainly during my children's lives so far, is almost exclusively on the bully. What are we going to do about these bullies? And it's not very much about the bullied, the the bullyee, mm-hmm. right? And that concerns me because here's the thing. I want to raise children who don't get bullied. And they don't get bullied because I do genuinely believe that you can exude an aura that says, don't, pardon my language, fuck with me, right? And it's not because you're violent. It's because You just don't allow thing. it. It's yeah. just not something you do to me, right? And I think that we need to focus, gay men need to focus very much on what do you do to raise children who will not be susceptible to the things that my wonderful husband, Jan, was susceptible as a child. Like, what do you do? Maybe your children may not be gay. It doesn't matter what they are. What matters is, do they have the comfort and the pride in themselves and the sense of strength in themselves that just oozes from their very body so that people say, you know what, I'll go bully the next kid over. And I would love to find the answer to that, and I'd love to see teachers teaching not just don't bully and not just come to the teacher when you're being bullied, but here's what it means to be strong and proud. Yeah. You know, I was sitting down and thinking about uh, my three tips because if I, if my experience have 
um, resulted, and I spoke about it on, on TV, and, I, and I'm speaking about it here, and if my experience can help save one kid, mm-hmm. I think that'll be, make me the happiest uh, person ever. I sat down and thought, what did I need back in the day when I was a kid and I was bullied? So what are the three things that could have helped create this whole, help this whole scenario well, and make good. it change? What change, are they? Okay. Some of the things she mentioned, but I want to emphasize that. Okay. So the first one is um, some kids may not admit that they were bullied. Okay. They keep it a secret to themselves. Yeah. Yes, because it's it's kind of hard to put a, a name to this, especially when you're a kid. Uh, it sounds too big, uh, right? But the parent can be aware of it, and it comes up, okay? okay. My parents knew that. I mm-hmm. can guarantee, I told you, that they even comment about it. Okay. Um, when you go with your kid in public, if you suspect, just pay extra attention to that. See how other kids interact with him. How even in the park, in you know, in other spaces, you can see by the nature of the friends that he brings home. So you're saying that or tip, he or she. So you're saying that tip one is for the parents to have a real awareness of what's going on around their kids. Yeah, if they suspect, if they suspect there's something wrong, just pay extra attention when you're with him in public. Okay. So if you notice that it's happening. The, the very fact of acknowledging it and talking about this, it's really important because I think that um, part of the thing uh, that made it even worse that we didn't talk about it at home and I knew that everybody knows. Right, you were, alo- it, you were alone. I was alone it. in this and yes. I thought, I honestly, I felt in every bone in my body that something is wrong with me, that it's not like that, that they're yeah. doing this to me all the time. Okay, so that's one. Uh, two is feedback. When you, when the kids, how the kids, and she, Ross said that too, how do you respond to the bully when it's actually happening? It's mm-hmm. a key to the whole communication. So she mentioned, uh, like somebody said, says to her about this, the sweater, ugly, you, you're wearing an ugly sweater. And she said, Are you noticed? So if she agrees on the thing that the bully is talking about, the, the bully is over. Right. So this is why I mentioned at the beginning that the bullying stopped when I came out mm-hmm. because they started and there were incidents where people are coming to me and like transvestite and I'm like, no, I'm gay. <laughs> right. And I'm laughing about it with, the, right. with my friends and they're like, didn't know what to do with themselves. Well, and that is stopped, you know? So at the minute I came up and I admitted, oh my God, you're right. You didn't just admit it. You, you embraced know? it. You, yeah. ex- you, you, they saw that this was not a button that they could yeah. push. It's nothing anymore. It right. doesn't, and it, it was even like funny. If I was with other friends, we were jo- laughing right. about this. Yeah, right? it's good. It's good. What's uh, next? So the last one is that, you know, I never answer to the bullies. Like she, I think she says don't answer, but I never answer to the bullies because I felt very weak. Like I felt that if they start fighting with me, I have no way to, to fight back, to hit back. I didn't know how even. So I was very, very miserable. And I have girls like around me because most of my friends growing up were girls because the boys really couldn't be around me. Otherwise, they, they, you know, they get bullied too. And everybody knew around me what people are saying. Uh, the little friends that I have knew. But we also, we never talked about this. It would have been amazing if there was a friend that acknowledged what I was going through and said to me, you know what? They say about you this, but you, I don't care. I don't care that you're like this. That 
would have made my growing up experience a lot better because everyone just ignored it. And when people ignore it, you ignore it too because you understand that there's something wrong. Your three tips, the first one and the last one, are bookends. The first one is about your parents sharing with you, understanding with you what's happening and and not uh, pretending it's not there and pretending it'll go away. And the third one is about having you have a contemporary, a kid of your own age, a, a friend who can also share this with you and to be a strength for you. And what I wonder is whether we as parents can take number one, and help it to also become number three. By which I mean, you know, I think about what your parents could have done with, I don't know, the parent of another little kid who was friends of yours to say, hey, you know what? Like, let's work this out. Let's let's tell your daughter or your son about our son and see if we can get them to support each other. Right, yeah. I think there's some possibility that that could be a really powerful tool that parents. You know that have. some some of us are raising kids like that without even knowing because, like, I'm going back to the parent test. Yeah, the, the Win family uh, with Serene, like the way that she stuck up. She was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I wish she was in my class. That is weird. I wanted to follow up about bullying and my husband. Um, so. Uh, he and I have known each other for almost exactly 15 and a half years. And um, I think a lot has changed over that time. And, you know, some things have stayed the same. But here is the amazing thing. He talks very often about the bullying and the pain of his childhood. And I know that he still carries a fair amount of that around with him. And it affects his day-to-day life in a really, really serious way. But I just want to tell you something here on the podcast. You win. You win. And for those of you who are listening who are parents or prospective parents or not parents at all, but, you know, in in a life living their lives the way they want to, you won. And it matters. It matters to sometimes do a victory lap and say, no, 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 uh, little Timmy from, you know, fourth grade. I win because I am now living the life that I wanted to live. I am now, I am no longer terrified of you or anybody else on, you know, on the yard, right? I win. And Jan, you won. Like, you have these things. I know that doesn't change a lot of the stuff that has been internalized into who you are. But I would encourage you, my husband, and all of you who are listening, to sit down every now and then and ask yourself, have I won? Did I win? And I think that you'll find more often than not that just making it out of high school alive, let alone everything else that you've done since then, means you win. Speaking about like growing up, I think that as I grew up, I still have like a, a reflex of fear when I see a group of men. So even if like dads in our group, in the in our class. Unless it's the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, and it became, it became a thing that I'm, I'm kind of even afraid of straight men, right? And I want to say something that happened during the parent test when we oh, yeah, uh, started to get uh, messages from straight men saying uh, good things about us. No, you have to talk because you're crying. It's good for the podcast. It's just, 
it heals me. It heals me because um, I thought that all, all straight men are like the, guy, the boys who were doing this stuff to me. And I would like, I want to read something to you. And that's the first oh. one that we received from yeah. a guy named Jordan. Um, and I received that and I think I cried for the whole day. Because it's just, this is something I did not expect. Honestly, I did not expect this. Um, and he writes like this. Um, as a father of two in a traditional marriage, as well as straight, I'm completely inspired by what I've seen on this episode. So much as I've chosen to reach out and follow you both more as your fathering and parenting is so inspiring and helpful. Gay or not, like one of the parents said, I wish my father would have been the type of either of you are. Thank you and God bless. Keep it up, dads. Jordan and all of, all of you, thank you. Just thank you because you, you have no idea what you're doing to me right now. You are healing me. Look, I just want to say that I don't have the same level of pain from straight men or straight people in general that Jan does, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, change the fact that the messages that we've gotten as a result of being on the show, and by the way, uh, as a result of the years of doing this podcast, we've gotten some of these as well. Um, you know, it's proof of something. It's proof of the fact that um, the differences that exist amongst us in this country are not intractable. Uh, we are not in some kind of, you know, death spiral of democracy or blah, blah, blah. Um, we have to discover each other. Uh, we have to listen to each other and get to know each other. And we'll do it. And we will do it. And we will get past the time that we are experiencing now. And it will, as they say, get better. Daddy, that's QR.com. All right, I want to continue with, and the, now, with the show. Boobs. No, it's kind of related. I, 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 you know, it's not not all I prepared. I just didn't expect for me to, uh, you know, melt like a little pond here um, on the studio. Um, so I want to go back. So kind of like I said, it's weaving with the previous episode about stigma and stereotype. I read an article in the New York Times, Alex, about what the world can learn from gay straight friendships. Oh, you read that article. I read that article too. Really? Yeah. So it's kind of related to Jordan and all the other wonderful people who are sending us messages who are not gay. And it's by the guy, a gay guy named Spencer. He's gay. And um, his best friend, Stephen, is straight. And um, he was talking about like the stigma and stereotypes that straight men are suffering from that gay men can heal by the virtue of the relationship uh, between them. And I think it's going to be on the episode page. I just want to say that as as a person who's like have immersed itself into the gay community and found uh, safety there, I find it shocking that this existed. One of the things that he says is that uh, gays, because of the fact that they have been judged, basically, they are uh, much more open to accept who the who the straight men really are, and as a result, it creates a, a much more like an open. Uh, the straight men can share more, which uh, usually they don't. You know, all the little things that c- they can be judged for with gay men is a little bit different. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. I like that. 
This is Men Having Babies Corner. Men Having Babies Corner. In this episode, uh, we have Lisa from Men Having Babies. She will talk about the difference between, tra- between traditional surrogacy and gestational surrogacy. Um, one is more popular now than the other, but let's hear from Lisa. There are two types of surrogacy. One is traditional surrogacy and one is gestational surrogacy. Most of the surrogacy we talk about, we hear about, and is practiced in the United States is gestational surrogacy. And this is where the carrier of the child is not genetically related to the baby. She is working with embryos that are created either using two donors, an egg donor, and an intended parent's sperm source, or potentially the genetic material of both intended parents. But there is no genetic connection between the carrier and the child. Traditional surrogacy has been the surrogacy that's been around since the beginning of time, but is really far less practice nowadays. And that's where the surrogate is also the egg donor. So she's carrying a pregnancy using her own eggs. And typically that process um, looks a bit different um, and goes through IUI as opposed to IVF um, to achieve pregnancy. So IUI is a process where the surrogate or, or anybody going through that procedure goes to the clinic and has sperm put into the uterus to achieve pregnancy. So it's still a medical procedure, but it's not quite as big or intensive as IVF procedure where the egg is retrieved, the sperm is retrieved, fertilized in the lab, and then put into, and gestational carrier's case, into a third party. There are specific legal considerations. Traditional surrogacy is not as widely accepted legally as gestational surrogacy. So it's important to consult with a lawyer um, if you are considering traditional surrogacy and make sure that it is still permitted in your state, even if gestational surrogacy is permitted. For more information, go to menhavingbabies.org. Thank you, Men Having Babies. You know, there was a debate in the Men Having Babies Facebook group this week mm-hmm. about whether or not to hire a night nurse, and if so, for how many nights. So uh, dads who are like preparing for babies right sure. now, uh, they're a little bit scared, especially those who work. Yeah. So there's, a, there's I advocate hiring a night nurse until the children are around 12 years old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, then you'll be broke. Uh, yeah, it's... It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the thing. I think... I think they didn't really notice that the people who advocate for night nurse are people who work and the people who said, no, you can do it yourself. Like these are the people who right. one of the couple is not working and can do this. So I think it's really, it's really hard to do both working and stay up all night. And especially we had twins. So it's yeah. like a double of the work. Um, How long did we have a night nurse for total? I would say like four months. Really that long? Well, I will tell you that we did not do it from day one. And so yeah, and th- so I think we did it from, but it, it, we did week. it starting after a week or two weeks. Yeah. After, I, so it, it went up. At the beginning, we did like four nights a week. Oh, And then yeah. it was six nights a week. <laughs> and then it was seven nights a week because we wanted the, the weekend as well. Well, I mean, because she showed up. She showed up the first night and she walked in and she was from Wales and she we, we called her Mary Poppins behind her back because she was perfect in every way. And she came in and she's With just, a trolley. Oh, she With, did the trolley. Yeah. And she came in and she said, all right now, you can just go to bed. I've got this. 
And we, she doesn't really talk like that. <laughs> and nobody actually talks like that. And we got in bed and we closed the door to our room and we we cackled like witches. We were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, and that lasted for all of 30 seconds before we passed out. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, I mean, we talk about a lot of things on this podcast, whether it is night nurses or couples therapy or surrogacy that are simply out of reach financially for so many yeah. people and we don't ever want to presume or suggest you gotta do this you don't gotta yeah. it's so yeah, hard and, and night nurse was so expensive especially after you do surrogacy yeah um but i think that we decide we said to ourselves we're not going anywhere like we're not spending money right now unless it's like that is true night, night nurse we just want to you know have the ability to take care of them during the day and work yeah in order to pay that money you know so it's somehow it worked i don't know yeah look the thing is when it came right down to it it made it possible for to do for us to do what we needed to do i mean i don't know what else to say we're not entirely sure whether we've talked about this before and how much but i want to talk for a moment about the movie bros or as my husband refers to it bros uh (laughs) it's great by the way if you are not in a relationship yet find a foreigner It's the best. (laughs) Anyway, um, I was fascinated by this movie. I just want to say. Now you're saying it. No, 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 wait. No, it was back and forth. No, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm getting there. I'm fascinated by it because I'm fascinated by the the pathos of Billy Eichner about what's going on in that head. He obviously knows how to make a movie. He also knows how to write. There is no doubt about that. Incredibly well written. The thing is, I don't know how he feels. Here's what I mean. And it's obvious that he's quite torn. On one hand, you want to talk about a movie that airs dirty laundry to the rest of the world. Not that the rest of the world probably saw this no, movie. Nobody cares. Uh, but, but to make a, a major motion picture that is as open as that one was about sort of the internal stereotypes of gay men, not the ones that the, 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 whatever the Republicans are talking about, but the stuff that we know about ourselves was really rather fascinating. But the other thing is he seemed to be at the same time kind of disgusted by the internal machinations and the internal kind of, you know, political approach that gay men and LGBTQI and all of the other letters and all of the intersectionality and sensitivities that exist seemed to disgust him on one hand. And on the other hand, that's what the whole damn movie was about. So I have to say, if his goal was to confuse me, and I think it may have been, he did a good job of that. But if his goal was in some way to say, you know what, this can be a good gay life, Uh, I don't think he did that at all. What he left me feeling was, man, this guy needs a lot more therapy than he's had so far. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I... I'm in the mixed emotions about this. I obviously see it totally different than Alex. But by the way, why this obviously? Is a, why does it always have to be obvious? This is a movie that uh, both of us watched. We did recently. Was huh? J Lo in it? No. Oh, there was she, no she, wedding and that's but there was the a movie. Problem. There was a, J-Lo wasn't in it. That's, That's what, what was wrong with the movie. Go on. So I think that on one hand, he perpetuates the stigma around like uh, gay muscle men who are who are dumb and don't care about anything besides parties and drugs and and all of that. And that he he tells us basically, I'm not like that, but I'm using my power as a famous blogger 
to uh, attract the hot one. Like it's all oh, about right. getting the hot one. But like, he also hated himself for the fact that he wasn't one of them. And he yes. made that clear in the movie also. I mean, look, I give him a tremendous amount of credit for kind of- I'm not the, sure like the, how much is it, it's reality and how much is actually him. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know either, but the fact is that he seemed to be playing all of the sides, which is cool. Um, you know, it does remind me in some ways of some of the later Woody Allen movies. I know we're not supposed to be okay with Woody Allen, but he undeniably a genius. Um, he made movies that exposed so many aspects of what was fucked up about him to the world. And I felt that that was somewhat what was going on here. Yeah. And overall, I think like, I'm not trashing it by any means. Like I saw it, I watched it twice, but once by myself and one once with Alex yeah. because I wanted him to see it. Um, but, and, and I think it deserve, deserves credit as the first uh, motion picture in the, uh, like a romantic comedy in theaters uh, of gay couples. I'm not sure I'm willing to accept it. that that's true. There have been many, many... Gay movies. romantic comedy? Well, it all depends. Victor Vic Victor Victoria had romance in it between two gay men. But it wasn't the, gay, the main character? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, now Bros is uh, streaming on, on Peacock, or how we gay... We refer to it as the cock, but... Uh, in you know. LA. So it's streaming on the cock, and we are welcome to watch it and let us know what you think. Uh, both Alex and I, for some reason, are fascinated by discussion around this topic. Yeah. Because it's so... You're going to watch it and see. It's so rich in... In like LGBT history and, and conflict, and, internal and, conflict yeah. in his own, you know, very and stereotypes big. and all of that, all of that together. Yeah. So uh, please do. Uh, that's it for this time. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you listened to both episodes that we uh, dropped today. Um, now you have to wait uh, two weeks until the next one. There are two more episodes until the our season finale. I just want to say one thing to you, what? Jan, before we go, and it's it's really very important to me, and it is. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I've got. Why? Because I'm still Alex from the block. Okay. Even though... Even though... I don't know the rest of the words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, guys, it was a pleasure doing this. Um, we'll see you in two weeks. Oh, uh, we'll hear you. We'll Whatever you want to yeah. call it. Um, uh, and until then, I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And we're Daddy Squared. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Daddy, that's QR.com.